Escadora. Hey, this is Alexandra Kelly. Yo, we're, we're talking, talking to plants. I'm Secret Mountain. Hey, we're Have a Good Season. Hi, we're Everything Ever. And hey, we're the Swam. Hey, we're Ashes Terrain. You're listening to WP88.7. Brave New, New Radio. Radio. Are you brave enough? Do you want to be a jukebox hero? Well, you can if that's what you want, because you are listening to Music Biz 101 and more! And there was much rejoicing. I am your Professor Dave Philp, and you are listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7 FM. And as always, we are with the esteemed Dr. Stephen Marconi. And like a distant scream, we had our student co-host for the day. Her name is Ashley O'Vera. Say hey, Ashley. Hello, everybody. <laughs> yes, yes, delayed. And then we have our big guest today, Tom Hefter from Ticketmaster. Hey, guys. How's everyone? Please hey, uh, call me Hef. Call him Hef. Yep. The first Hef that I know had a mansion and lots of women in bikinis. And a smoking jacket. The, women, the woman Tom has with him today is his wife, Lily, who also goes to William Patterson, the university. Hello, Lily! Hi. Very good, very good. And as always, we have our producer, Philip Gorohovsky. Thank you very much, Philip. We haven't had you in three weeks. It's great to have you back. He's nodding. He's happy to be here. And then our engineer, as always, is Mr. Connor Van Morrison. Connor! Very good, very good. You should know that this is the only radio show and or podcast in Los Estados Unidos that focuses on the business side of the music and entertainment biz. We're taking your questions now. You can tweet us at at MusicBiz101WP. Give us a call, 973-720-2738. We're on the web, MusicBiz101WP.com. And you can always listen to this show and all of our shows on Stitcher.com. Just go to MusicBiz101 and more. Download the podcast. Dr. Marconi, take it away. Well, I should. Uh, we should note that that and more is the sign end, right? Isn't amber it? sand. Yes. Yes. Use our amber sand. That's the college. Okay. Great. Uh, yes, I'd like to talk about uh, the next three shows because we are winding down the season, and we will go to reruns over the summer. So, anybody who needs a fix for Music Biz One Hundred and One, we will still be here. I think at 8 o'clock on Wednesday nights. Uh, but next week we have... Sean Gilday from <laughs> Blue Raven Entertainment. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, following that, we have Paul Sinclair from Atlantic Records, um, Vice President of Digital. And then we close out with uh, Sarah Clausen, who is uh, a former student here, MBA grad, who is Tommy Silverman of uh, Tommy Boy Records, uh, his uh, executive assistant. And also with the new music With the new music seminar that she'll be talking about that's coming up in early June, of course. So so we have a lot going on on these next three weeks. And again, like we said, you can go to Stitcher.com, Music Biz 101 and more, and you can catch any shows that you have missed. We've had some great shows. I was pitching Sean Gilday next week's guest Mm -hmm. before we came in about being on the show next week, and he nicely agreed and it was great talking to him and telling him all the great people we've had we've had aaron van dyne we talked business management yes last week who did we have oh gosh harvey <laughs> we had a, we had a ball because we had harvey Leeds here which means that you can uh, expect anything and get everything uh and he talked about uh, not only his career at cbs 
and Sony, but also his uh, current career, which is um, actually two hats. He's uh, a consultant for Live Nation, and he's also Southside Johnny's uh, manager, personal manager now. Which is great. And then I was listening uh, back to one of our shows uh, with uh, Carl Guthrie, entertainment mm-hmm. lawyer who teaches at William Patterson, the university. Mm-hmm. But that was a great one because we actually learned a couple things about contracts that, that most entertainment... That we didn't even know. That, yes, that we did not even know. We even said on the air, and you can listen on the podcast again, yes. uh, about uh, that. And then we also had George Dassinger on yes. as well, talking about PR, and that was a good one as yes. well. and so was Steve. Yeah. And Steve Leeds as well. So why don't we get into then our... Uh, first of all, why don't we talk to Ashley? Yes, Okay. (laughs) So, Ashley, how did you find William Patterson University to study music business? Um, Well, I wanted to do music business and singing and voice. So this school is really the only one that gave me both of those things and where I could really get a real music management or business, some kind of music business degree, but also, you know, not stop performing and not stop being doing the creative side of things too mm-hmm. so that's really why i ended up you know coming to william patterson right. and you're and you're going to have an internship for the summer i yeah i just started my internship on monday and that's at blue raven entertainment coincidentally um sean gilday is my my new boss mm-hmm. and i'm gonna be there tomorrow at 1 p.m sharp i had to write my first press release it took me a really long time oh. because I was thinking really, really hard. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I hope well, they don't think another... I'm stupid because I'm taking so long, but I want it to be so good. There's another graduate there, too. Oh, yeah, um, Rachel. That's right, Rachel Hill. Yep. Yeah, they started... both are graduates. Actually, she started as an intern and stayed. That's right, if I yep. remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just kind of a two- or three-person operation over there, mm-hmm. plus me, the intern, in the middle room. Right, and what and what they do is they're uh, event promoters, and they they right. do shows for not cover bands but tribute bands. Tribute bands, cover mm-hmm. bands. Um, they have a couple original artists too. I was doing a press release for Artemis Pyle, who's former the, drummer for Sk- Leonard right. Skinner, and he mm-hmm. and he's in a tribute band for Leonard Skinner. Mm-hmm. Um, who else do they have? And then they have a what is it? They have a Citizens Band Radio. That's one of their original bands. They're mm-hmm. all over mm-hmm. Jersey. Um, yeah, they have a bunch of um, Cashmere, one of the biggest mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. tributes. Yeah. Good. Great. Yeah, definitely. Great. So, uh, what is the uh, what is the do you feel the most important thing you learned as a student in the music <laughs> business program? Um. I think that there's a lot of, you know, factual things that I've learned. But what I think is good about William Patterson is that, you know, a lot of people are like, don't try to be a performer. It's not worth it. Business, you know, business is a backup. And I think that here it's kind of more inspirational to be creative and think of new ways because the industry is changing so much. And the most important thing, I think, is to kind of roll with the changes and see what new things you can come up with and by learning what's going on right now, you know, what, what you can do for the future and what you can do as an artist or as a business person and all of that. I think mm-hmm. that that's the most important thing that I've gotten out of the first two years of the program. Great. Yeah. 
Now, uh, Ashley actually made her opera debut here? (laughs) I did. I was in the first full-length opera that William Patterson had. We did The Magic Flute. That's right. I was Papagena. And she was great. (laughs) Really? Yes. She created this. Want to give us a little of that voice you uh, created for that? Well... What do you mean? Well, <laughs> well, I had to be the I had to be okay. I had to be an a little old lady. That's right. Like a little wicked old lady at first. I had to wear a cloak, and then I had to rip it off at one point because I became this beautiful young woman. Right. But and before. I forgot to undo the hood that was under my neck, and so I had to kind of rip it off over my face. <laughs> it was pretty painful, actually. That's how you got that scar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Don't give them a bad image of me. This is now, just is any of that on YouTube or not? No, and it was weird. I thought we were going to get a video, but I have not seen a video. I've seen pictures. I kept my vest because we like took one of my vests and we put a bunch of feathers on it because I was supposed to be kind of like a bird lady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank no, you. I mean, she was really uh, funny. <laughs> and she created this this voice within her voice. You know, I had that, trouble with that, though. It started as like a, a southern accent, and they were like, that doesn't sound at all like an old woman. <laughs> I was like... I'm like, I'm the old lady. And they're like, that just sounds Southern. And I was like, oh. All right. Well, yeah. the South doesn't have old ladies. They push no, them. No, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. Right. All right. Okay, well, Ashley. Yeah, yeah that's, that's enough for Ashley. <laughs> All okay. right. Student, you go here. You like it. Okay, see you again. So, okay. Tom, you uh, came here from Kane University to get your master's with us. And if I remember correctly... You were talking to me one day, and you're saying, well, I really came here because I wanted to work at Roadrunner Records. Yeah. And lo and behold, before you graduate, you get this full-time job at Roadrunner Records, and uh, came to me and said, well, you know, I'm at a crossroads here, and I said, no, take the job. That's why you came here. And you were very diligent because after a few years and a couple of uh, poking you came back and you actually uh, finished the degree and have your master's. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, that whole chain of events? Sure. So um, as you did say, I did come here in 2005, and I pretty much said I want to work at Roadrunner Records. I've been a metal fan and a hard rock fan for most of my life, including all genres of music. And I... Scored an internship, uh, thanks to Steve Leeds, um, and just so happened that I got a job, and it was amazing. And the best thing that was about it is that William Patterson said, well, this is what you want to do. Go ahead, complete this, get get situated, then come back and finish, which is you know, extremely rare for a college. And I always say that this school is great because you actually prove to a, like your students that you really want them to get into the industry. You really want to get them into the business. And I always say that I I wouldn't be at Ticketmaster, I wouldn't be a Roadrunner, I wouldn't be anywhere in this music industry if I didn't come here. Mm-hmm. So it was um it was really great. I um. So what was your first job at? Uh, my first job was a street team coordinator. So um, if for anyone who's not familiar with street team is guerrilla marketing, you go out to shows, you're the foots on the pavement. We always say we would go out promote at shows at our shows at comparable shows. So pretty much I was going to a show every night, which was back then, you know, great. I would love to go to a show every night, work during the day. Um, I developed that into uh, more of a touring gig. I was actually on tour for a few times. Mm -hmm. 
uh, supporting uh, big bands uh, such as Slipknot and Dragon Force, um, Trivium, Machine Head, uh, a lot of the legendary heavy metal uh, band staples. Um, and then it started changing. It, I went and started to um, get more into a digital aspect and kind of brought it into the you know, 21st century, uh, started doing social media, uh, online marketing, and ultimately became an online marketer as we shifted my role out of uh, Street Team. And uh, that's where I left it at Roadrunner. Um, after Roadrunner, um, uh, I, there was an opportunity over at Ticketmaster to broaden my career a little bit more. And I've been at Ticketmaster now for two years and currently working um, in their uh, venues and touring department. I'm a marketing specialist and we promote special offers. So VIP packages, uh, album downloads, uh, merchandise upsells, and it ranges from artists. So I'm working on, let's see, uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce um, to Foreigner to Tamar Braxton to... Uh, Jesus Christ uh, Superstar uh, Arena Spectacular, which is a new oh, yeah. arena show that's coming yeah. around. Right. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how, how I did how I did. And there was a lot of prodding and poking to get me back to finish my degree. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm glad I did do it. So, so uh, what's a typical day for you? My typical day is, um, you know, uh, it's a very chaotic world because, like I say, we deal with a lot of artists and when the artist has a special offer you know we have a lot of um uh pieces that have to fit into the puzzle we're promoting strictly on ticketmaster we rarely go outside of ticketmaster to promote my job is to leverage all the great assets that ticketmaster has to offer a lot of people don't know that and um that includes sending out um emails like custom emails to people uh, learning about a, a VIP package or a special offer, uh, scheduling a Facebook post, which is outside of Ticketmaster, you know, getting uh, an artist featured on Ticketmaster.com because Ticketmaster is huge. It is the number three e-commerce site in the world. Mm-hmm. So Behind uh, what would number one be, Amazon or eBay? There you go. So Amazon, eBay, I think it's Amazon, Amazon, eBay, and Ticketmaster. I think they're within the top five. That, I was going to say, and Alibaba. Soon the Alibaba be. is going to be up there too. Yes, but hmm. um, yeah, they are. They are very, 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 very big. Um, and so it's up to us. It's great because when an artist decides to work for, work with us and um, develop a VIP package with a third party VIP packager. Um, there's a lot of going back and forth. Like the package comes to us, we leverage our platform to promote it and then follow up on sales and pretty much how to market it. Sometimes VIP packages can be up for as little as two weeks. Sometimes they could be up for uh, Motley Cruise right now is up for nine months. So mm-hmm. it's been up for. So it's great. For these VIP packages, I'm sure you guys are using analytics and, and speaking with, with management and, and such. Explain how you put a package together. And what has worked and what has not worked for you guys? And how you do like trial and error and figure out on the go? Sure. So we actually don't put the package together. We actually have a third-party packager that we work with. So that could be an artist arena. Uh, that can be AEG. Um, it, it can be multiple different third-party packagers. So they'll come to us with a fully baked package. They'll, they have the package already approved by management, said and done. We then take it and say, okay, we're going to market it. And X, Y, and Z. Though, from my experience, to see uh, what VIP packages work, 
definitely meeting the artist. If there's any interaction and any experiential experience, 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 yeah, okay, go. Yeah. <laughs> if there, if there's any type, those are the packages that works. So I'll give you an example for the the great one that I love right now is Motley Crue, and um, you know, grew up in the '80s listening to Motley Crue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's their final tour. Like legally, they can't tour. I think past 2015, they actually signed a contract to say they can't tour anymore. A contract with whom? Themselves. With themselves. They said that okay. it's illegal to do it. Like uh-huh. I was watching their press release, and they're like, "It is illegal for any of you guys to tour under the name Motley." How Trip. great a marketing move is that? It's genius for this, and then in 2018 uh, when they come back, <laughs> it's and, genius. Right. It's absolutely genius. Because Cher has signed that with herself about yes. five times. Yes, and yeah. Cher is Cher is uh, currently on tour. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so their package is you know they have four different VIP packages ranging from the top 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 level to you know you get a ticket and some merchandise and the top level vip package you're getting a custom made personalized by the band in front of you autograph guitar a plaque um full tour behind stage you're meeting the band you're getting a lithograph you're getting hospitality so it's not just about going to a show anymore it's actually experiencing it and the band is partaking in that and that's really cool and those always are always popular, always, always popular. Um, you know, and what does that package run roughly? Uh, why don't you take a guess? Twenty five hundred higher. I, I was going to say about ten thousand. Not lower. Okay. Split the difference on your ten thousand, so it's about forty five hundred. <clears throat> forty five hundred dollars. Now I don't know how many actually sold, but I mean they're like. I always say they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't put it together if it didn't sell. And yeah. that's cool because mm-hmm. right. if you think about it, a ticket costs you know five hundred bucks. You go out there, get food for two people. What another two hundred dollars? You get beer, get a T-shirt. But this one, you're getting a cool guitar and a cool plaque that is one of a kind that's personalized to you. So, right in front of you, like right you in said. front of you. Yeah, yeah right Under in front guys. of you. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now it's. Just on that whole thing, because we actually just got a question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it, was, it was tweeted in um, from, where is it? Uh, Dominic Michelle, who, mm-hmm. who, who wants to know, is there a target market for those VIP packages? Definitely. Does it depend upon the artist or? Uh... Definitely. Um, you know, it, it, that, that target market is, it, it's, it's, almost too, it's, it's almost like you could split it up. If, there, are, there are some VIP packages that run for 75 bucks and you can meet the band. So you have your low level, not your low level, but like your baby band artists coming on up or your intermediate artists coming up. Um, I think Jurassic 5, uh, mm-hmm. the old hip hop group, is doing a meet and greet. Mm-hmm. And I think their package is only 100 bucks. Uh, and that, and again, this includes a ticket. So that's actually not a bad price. Um, but we're definitely targeting those people who have money, obviously. So, But the, the goal is, is we want to tell fans like, you know, hey, you can spend $45 on a ticket and go to a show. And you could remember it, but you can go and experience it and have a really awesome time and spend 200 bucks and you'll never forget it. It's like everyone remembers those. Everyone remembers a show that you went to and you're like, wow, this is just great. So we just want to facilitate that a little bit more. So outside of the price of the ticket, does Ticketmaster take a piece of the package? Uh, there is uh, there is a, uh, uh, a cut, but I'm not sure how much it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Um. I'm, I'm trying to get back to the uh, the, the package itself. So um, 
how are you targeting? I mean, the, the people who like I'm. You and I are pretty much the same age, and I was listening to Motley Crue, you know. And it's it's interesting to see when they came out big um, with Looks a Kill in '83, '84 mm-hmm. on MTV, and to think we assumably could afford a forty five hundred dollar <laughs> meet and greet. I'm sure you and Lily right next door. That's what you want to do. Sitting right next to you. Is one. Well, that's forty five hundred. Forty five hundred per. Per ticket. Per okay, ticket. so for so the two of you, $9,000. $9,000. You've only been married a year, so <laughs> yeah. um, you're still in love. Yeah. But so. um, how, how is it just through analytics? Is it just you have this massive database and you, and you have all this demographic information on who to reach? So um, what's really great about uh, Ticketmaster is, is that we are open. We have marketing on, every, uh, on everything. So when you go to Ticketmaster.com, if you see a, you know, we will leverage our little spotlight that's in the front. Um, it's a rotating spotlight that we can feature an artist. We could put them up there so fans can know that a VIP package is available. Obviously, we don't put the price, um, nor will we put the price um, up there. But we always want to say it's like, hey, you know, come on out here, I- experience this. Uh, the, once you go to the artist page, which lists all the events, there's more marketing there that we can market and leverage uh, uh, assets to have uh, fans be aware of the VIP package. Also, there's a version of the event. So the event itself, when you're buying tickets, there's also a module there that says, hey, there are VIP packages available for um, the show. Uh, we also have a uh, quite a large database, an email database that we target. And um, we, we, we look at the artist and we look at like their similar interests and everything to um and, and pretty much we we don't discriminate we're not like saying okay you make less than x amount of money we're not going to give it to you no we open it up to everybody if you want to receive special offers from us sure no problem we want you to come to our shows we want you to buy vip packages to the artists and it's we want you to have that experience and that great time so um there's other uh leverages that we have we can retarget fans um we can use facebook we can uh use uh, twitter instagram google plus we're all on those um, like with Facebook, are you using Facebook ads or sponsored posts? We typically don't uh, for VIP packages because <clears throat> what what we'll do is we'll work with uh, the promoter or Live Nation, and we have our own retargeting surf, uh, service that does that. So we can run uh, sponsored news feeds, uh, right rail posts. Um, I know Twitter has uh, some uh, paid advertisement still, mm-hmm. um, but not so much in the VIP world um, because packages are limited. So the Motley Crew package, as we said, there's only between like I would say ten to fifteen per show. So mm-hmm. you can you can you, there's it's a very limited number. But if you go up a tier, which you get okay an okay seat, you know, and you still get a cool autograph by them, that's a little less money. Uh, there's like fifty, and then there's the one below that. There's a hundred, and then the one below that. There's a co- like couple hundred. I mean, I mean that's not how many like like uh, like uh, officially I know how much there are, but that's how they're pretty much tiered. Right. So, kind of right. like how it is a different business model, but kind of like how Kickstarter, for example, when bands and groups are trying to raise money on Kickstarter, they have different tiers. You know, if yeah. you give five dollars, you get a copy of the CD. Mm-hmm. If you give, you know, fifteen hundred dollars, we'll come and do your laundry yeah. for you right. or yeah, something. There's, there's, so. a, there's a few Kickstarters that I saw that are awesome. I mean, there's a few bands mm-hmm. that I uh, that uh, actually a few. One old Roadrunner band actually did a Kickstarter, and they put out an amazing album. It's great, mm-hmm. really, really good. So. But yeah, uh, that's we pretty much we're we pretty much want to market to everybody, but at the same time, not spam. We always have frequency caps. Make sure we're not spamming you. Uh, make sure that nobody's really uh, uh, 
getting tired of us. <laughs> frequency caps with your email? Yeah, frequency caps with emails, okay. definitely. We now, make sure we don't spam. Is it um, more Live Nation shows than AEG or doesn't matter? It depends ultimately because we, while we work together with Live Nation, we also work together with AEG. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the people who we work with are, um, we work with Ticketmaster the clients. So the venue is ticketed by Ticketmaster. If uh, a tour has a VIP package, then we, uh, and they're playing a Ticketmaster show, then we'll support it. But if it's like um, an AEG-owned building, we won't support it because it's not sold on our platform. So mm-hmm. any any artist that's sold, any um, venue that's sold on our platform, mm-hmm. we we will uh, support. And, you know, we, we work with AEG quite a lot. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. they're great to work with. Same with Live Nation. We work a lot with Live Nation, too. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. could you bring up uh, one thing you you brought up uh, a phrase earlier? Um, the third party VIP packagers yeah. Yeah. are those? Is that like the kind of business like that that Steve and I could tomorrow? Hey, we want to put together. We we can put those together, or is it like a startup kind of business? Is it already set? Is it a little bit of both? Because I know places like Band Bandpage, mm-hmm. for example, um, are running VIP experiences, and there's some other companies doing it around sports and things like that. Um, so I know it's it's sort of a trend, but um, is it something that is easy to get into or is very difficult? Um, it is easy. To, I mean, I don't know personally, um, but from when I have worked there, we have uh, grown our data, our client database, which our third our VIP packager database, quite a uh, quite a lot. And I've seen actually a few companies uh, take off. Um, you know, there's a few companies that started uh, very small, and now they're bringing in big artists like Kiss and Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. So um, pretty much what it is is if you if you would like to start one of those companies, um, I say go for it because that's where the money is. That's where the money is. The coming. margin is very that, good between what it costs and what you're selling. It not for. only that, but you know, you say people like like people will go out and buy a forty five hundred dollar Motley Crue VIP package, but yet they won't go out and buy a ten dollar CD. So that's mm-hmm. where uh, that's where I'm saying it's like you know your your cost right there. It's like you can go and experience that show. You can go and have that memory, and people will pay for it. Mm. Um, people will pay for it. Like it, it, even if even a seventy five dollar package, people will pay for it. So, mm-hmm. and I always tell bands that, that they're that are up uh, up and coming, go on out there and meet your fans. Like it, build your base. Don't don't charge immediately. Build your base. But then, you know, throw in a cool piece of merch, throw in, you know, a guitar pick here and there, or an autographed drumstick, autographed drum head, mm-hmm. something. You have all that stuff laying around at the end of the tour. You can build you can build your own VIP package right there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. The, the whole the, the, the best point is I'm trying to take see what I what I, we try to do is we're trying to so then we pull from you what we can do to teach like a lot of the people listening are DIY musicians. Right, absolutely. You know? so, so they're trying to listen and see how can we apply it to ourselves. And the point is, and one thing Marconi teaches quite a bit is if you're creating a CD, nobody wants to spend, like you said, especially nobody wants to spend 10 bucks for the new Motley Crue CD, much less your CD, you right. know, half, half and the boys, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to buy your CD. Um, but what you're saying is you need to market it completely differently from everything from Thomas Edison's uh, wax cylinder up to 1999, you know, you have Absolutely. to do something and create that experiential 
I see I used the word experiential. That is our word of the day is experiential. Experiential. Yes, there it is. You create that experiential experience, which I don't know if that's... Lily, is that redundant? That's Tom's wife, Lily. Is that redundant? Uh, Mildly. Okay, because Lily is going into education, so that's what we're asking. But create that experience around the music and think broadly as opposed to, I'm making a CD. Here, take it. Exactly. I always say, right now in this day and age, a band is not sold by just its music. It's sold by everything. Your merchandise, your your personality even, your stage presence, your your every little thing out there. If you are a do-it-yourself startup, you know, you you make your music like you probably got like a like an 8-track or 16-track in your basement, you can record at home, you can do all that stuff with the uh, with a uh, with even an iPad now, you know, think broader. Go on out there, play your gigs. Go on out there, make your own merchandise. Don't mm-hmm. like, it, like. There are times where I always say it's like, go out out there, think bigger, think larger than just your music. A lot of people always put so much effort into recording the music. Well, okay, but you also have to put all that effort into playing live. And there are gonna be times where you play in front of two people, and it's like you still gotta go out there and play it. And you know what? Go out and shake shake your hands with those two people and be like, hey, this is great because personality and all that is is so much so important just besides the music for uh, vip packages if you know you're an upcoming band and you have a large following and everything you know that's great you know sell a little bit of a merch pack you know sell if your tickets are 15 dollars, you know charge them 25 dollars and throw in a t-shirt you know your t-shirt probably is only going to cost uh, let's say five six bucks it's just uh, it's another way to take today's model of moving the passive fan through the active fan to become a fanatic fan. Super fan. It's just another way of doing it. Yep. And certainly there are less fanatic fans than passive fans, but those fanatic fans will be willing to pay whatever they want to pay just to be a more of a part of the of the act. Uh, we, we always talk about um, Twitter and we talk about an act maybe um, – getting lazy with Twitter or Foursquare or so on. And I read someplace where Snoop Lion, (laughs) uh, he tweets every hour himself so that if he retweets something that his fans tweeted, so it goes out to 5 million people, and that fan is just on cloud nine. He can't believe it that, that Snoop actually retweeted what he said. And all of that activity is so beneficial for the artist it's it's uh it's just a whole a brand new world today and they talk about dan eck and spotify ruining the record business well in that article it was the pitchfork article where they said what what spotify is doing is just putting an end to the point of purchase revenues dream correct that doesn't exist anymore but it existed for 80 years and now it doesn't exist anymore and there's new revenue streams and there's new ways of doing it. But don't keep going back down the ladder to try and find that point of purchase revenue stream. It does not exist anymore in terms of recorded music. Right. And that, that's, that's, that's where I come. That's where I also feel. It's like this year, uh, I'm not sure if they closed yet, but J&R Music World. They're closed, they're closed now. Yeah. Closed yeah, now. Two weeks. That's, 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 that was like one of the last stores. Mm-hmm. I, I, personally, I think Record Store Day is awesome. But if you have to be obviously established to do that. But my whole my whole thing is is what exactly what you said. You pretty much said that 
stop selling your music and sell the band. Sell mm-hmm. sell your artist, sell your act. Mm-hmm. Currently, right now, music is not a viable commodity, and it's not a product anymore. It's free flowing, and there's multiple reasons why. You can, I'm sure, you can get into mm-hmm. debates with everybody about it, but. Stop thinking about it is I have to get signed to a record company so they can get out my music. No, start start promoting yourself. And you know, with Spotify like saying they're destroying the music that they're destroying the uh the uh recorded record industry, yeah. they're not. They're just it's just this is just another step. And it, you're right, it killed the point of purchase sale. I'm an active Spotify user. I love Spotify. Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I can't remember the last time I bought an album. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I can't. But I can remember the last show I went to. I can remember the last time I bought a ticket for it. And you know what? Going back to that super fan, I do want to share a story. And this is one of the most amazing stories that I ever, um, uh, that I ever uh, encounter. And this is, what, this is where I, when I go to work every day, this is what I say. Is that when you're in the music industry and you work in the music industry and you are out there, you could be dream makers. Now, we can go on out there and we can go to work and, you know, yeah, there's days that sucks and there's days that's awesome. But you're going out there and people are listening to these artists and they're going either through a rough time or a great time. But when they see them live, you have a chance to make a lasting impression. And I was actually on tour one time uh, with uh, the Rockstar Mayhem Festival. And I saw a a kid with uh, cerebral palsy. And this kid was rocking out. Like you wouldn't believe, rocking out, going crazy. And had a a slipknot mask on. And it was like, I was just in awe. I'm like, this is great. So I actually went behind stage and asked their drum tech uh, if he had a stick. And he had an extra stick from the band and gave it to me, waited to the end of the show, gave it to the kid. Now, to me, it's just a drumstick. It's like, you know, yeah, okay, fine. You could say it. Like, it's just because I work for them and I worked for them and everything. Right. But I gave this kid this drumstick and he started crying. And, you know, I'm like, here you go. And like the woman that was her caretaker was like, Wow, that was awesome! You made this kid's life like that. Drumstick's gonna be hanging on his 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 wall, and that's the experience you should be giving your fans all the time. And that's why where this revenue comes in with the VIP packages, you know, you can make that experience last a lifetime. You can help people them through dark times and get them to some great times. And that's what's awesome about music. So. Yeah, I think he said it best. No, no one has said it yet this whole semester. Don't sell your music, sell the band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a great yeah. way of, of saying it because it's true. That's what you have to do today. Yeah. Uh, sell sell the band. The artist is the commodity now, not the music. You know, that's and that's the best thing about it. That's great. This is, we're, we're doing very well. Ashley Overa, student co-host, what do you think so far? <laughs> I, I love it. Nice. I really like what you said because I'm trying, you know, as a performer. I'm also, you know, music business major, but... You know, I can make as many little CDs as I want, but is that really going to get me anywhere now? And I, I, I agree with everything you're saying, and it's really cool to hear it from someone like you, you know, who has that kind of experience. Yeah, no. Ashley has a duo, right? Yeah, I'm in a duo. Yep. And Did- it's called? You and I. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's got a website? It does. If you go to www.youandimusic.com, you can hear all of my music. Great. Do you have a YouTube? Yep. All right. What's the YouTube channel? YouTube.com slash you and I music channel. That's and that's that is the great spot because that's where I think up and coming artists really can take off. Yeah. Sure. Well, it's funny because we did we had a seminar. Remember, I told you we had the seminar with um, 
Doug McVeigh from, uh, from Vivo. Vivo right. And I said after that, I was like, music video is amazing because it's one of the few things that we see that's like, I don't see an end to video. You know, I don't see that being something that's going to go down. If anything, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, that was so cool, you know, to think about something because we keep hearing about digital going, you know, or digital going up, CDs going down and that kind of thing. But then video is just really, really mm-hmm. still on the up and up. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Who would have thought with like you know MTV not playing music videos anymore that they would still have a life afterwards and yeah. even more of a life now where it's yeah. YouTube. Well, the business model is even better for yeah. for labels and artists because now you can get direct revenue because of the advertising, which Absolutely. is the Vivo business mm-hmm. model. Yep. Well, I was seeing commercials today. I was watching a TV show on MTV.com and the commercials that come up in between. They were showing commercials for YouTube TV shows, yep. mm-hmm. like the actual shows. And I was like, I kind of want to watch that, yep. you know. And I never thought that I'd watch a show. On YouTube and and their uh, their advertising revenue is huge, uh, right? Really, really huge. Singing right. nun, the singing nun, who, who's doing very now. well in Italy, correct? <laughs> oh yes, is it Italy with well, uh, the uh, voice forty million hits on YouTube yeah. or something? Oh yeah, like I that. saw that. I think I saw yeah. that. A more Catholic Susan Boyle, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, Susan Boyle looks more like a nun than uh, that's another story. That's right. But for those of you who are just tuning in, this is Music Biz 101 and more, and we're accepting your questions now at Music Biz 101 WP. Feel free to give us a call at 973-720-2738. I'm your professor, Dave Philp, with your always esteemed doctor, Mark Roney. And we have our special guest, Tom Hefter, Hef, hello, from uh, Ticketmaster, his beautiful wife, Lily, who is also a model. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> but she's not just a model. She's also a brilliant businesswoman, and who you also used to work with Roadrunner Records as well. I did for a time, yes. Can, 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 may I ask you a question about yes, your time at Roadrunner? By the way, and Ashley Overa is here also, and Connor Morrison, <laughs> and Philip Gorhovsky. But back to Lily, the wife sure. of Tom. Now, um... I'll ask you, and you cannot answer, but uh, you were working for Roadrun at the same time that Tom was working for Roadrun. Tom left on his own to go to Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. You did not. and here's. But this is okay because this is a part of the industry mm-hmm. that people never hear about. Um, you were um, phased out, Yes, I guess. Correct. Can you explain <laughs> what happened, why that happened to you? Um, because I, I just don't think people are thinking about that from your standpoint. Uh, vantage point, if you could kind sure. of Sure, no, that. I would be more than happy to mention this because this is definitely people coming into the industry. It's a harsh reality that they should be aware of, um, that I feel many people see the sunny side of things because they love music so much, but they should also know that sometimes it's cloudy. Um, I, wa- I, I had many hands at Roadrunner. I was an assistant in a lot of departments. I did touring assistant, digital marketing assistant in well, for a little while. Um, I did a lot of work on the website, a lot of work on the Facebook, ran a lot of contests. I, the, what had happened was they did a round of firings about six to eight months prior to me being let go. And it was just a couple of top executives. Because, and there was no real reason other than we won't have room for them when we move. Um, because Roadrunner was going to be um, become basically part of Atlantic, and they were going to be moved over to that building, um, which they are actually now at that building. So when, I guess, my round of firings came, or layoffs, whichever you'd prefer to say, um, they just, they just, if I remember the phase correctly, we are trimming the fat. 
Mm-hmm. I believe that's what was told to me. And because I was one of the lower level people, as I was just an assistant, it was we uh, we don't see a need for your position any longer. And it was a very devastating day. There were, I'd want to say half the staff got let go. Was about How many people is that? Day? 30 out of 60. And this wasn't just in the New York office. It was people... Um, People in uh, we only had a New York offices, but we did have regional reps. As far as I can remember, a few of them got let go. Um, There was also an international office. Uh, Some of them were absorbed into Warner Music. Uh, Some of them were not. They were let go as well. Um, That was, like I said, a very devastating day. Very emotional. And uh, yeah, a day I don't really like to remember. I'm glad I could tell people about it so they can be aware. But it, it, it was very difficult. It really was. Yeah, I, I imagine because I was at Universal Music Group. Actually, I was with Polygram Records when the Universal Music Group bought Polygram. And I was one of the fortunate people who survived. But a lot of people, once because once you do that purchase, there's all this duplication of jobs, especially in the record business, mm-hmm. when Universal bought Polygram is 98. So it was actually pre-Napster. It was before the fall. But uh, just so many people were just getting let go. And a, a lot of the recommendations for people being let go was through a consulting firm, this company, Boston Consulting, who may have, who may know a little bit about the business, but they weren't entertainment, an entertainment consulting firm. They were brought in and they made their recommendations and, and they were followed. But it was, uh, it's just very interesting to see and, and hear that, that story. Because mm-hmm. you hear it from the artist side, you'll hear an artist gets dropped and and but you don't hear about behind the artists the people who are actually doing all the the grunt work the day to day stuff when they get dropped, it's a very different story. And so now you're going for your second career. Uh, yes, I am. I am currently enrolled in the William Patterson Post Bachelorette Program for Elementary Education. Um, that was something I did a lot of looking into, a lot of searching. Um, I have a lot of teacher friends, so I went to them and asked them, what's this like? Do you like it? What goes on? Because it was an interest to me um, when I was in college, but I went with music after college because I felt like, you know, it's my time now. Let me try music. I love music. This is what I want to do, and I tried it. And I had that opportunity, which I was very grateful for, but now another opportunity has presented itself that I'm equally as grateful for. I'm very excited for, so I'm, I'm lucky to have this, and it's a great program. Well, Steve and I are very uh, excited because you're in the post-bachelorette program and you have asked us to perform at your bachelorette party. So I we're uh, very excited about that. And Although I'm married and I'm having another one, apparently. <laughs> you can always have more than one. Sure. <laughs> uh, Ashley, we're going to ask you to ask a question of our good friend Tom shortly. So start putting, putting in, your, in your brain a, a good question. I do have a question for you that has been tweeted over sure. to us. Sure, go ahead. Uh, the, the question comes from Caitlin Pariso, and she wants to know, uh, and I think a little bit more specifically, how were you able to get the job with Ticketmaster? You said you moved over there and the opportunity presented itself. How did that happen? Caitlin? Ka- Caitlin? Caitlin, yes. Caitlin, thank you for the question because this was actually a very interesting story. So I was at Roadrunner, and the day that she got let go, uh, my wife got let go, um, I was like... And this stinks. <laughs> this stinks. You know, I don't know. I, I was so down on my luck. Um, it, it just felt horrible because I was still there and she was being let go. And like uh, they phased her out over time and everything. But still, though. So we actually had a show that night. I went to see uh, Opeth. They're a great Swedish band, metal band. Um, 
And I met one of my friends who worked at Ticketmaster. Uh, she is uh, an old Roadrunner intern. And I'm like, we told her the bad news. We're like, yeah, a bunch of people got let go. And she's like, wow, that stinks. She goes, well, would you want me to look at Ticketmaster? And I'm like, well, I didn't get let go. But she goes, yeah, but still, though, I can still look for you guys. I mean, it's kind of, you know, you know there's going to be another round pretty much of, of, of people going to get let go. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of know that. So I went over there and just talked to her for about, I would say, 15 minutes. She sent me a bunch of links. I submitted my resume and I got two interviews. And then a month and a half later, I was hired. So, yeah, I know it's a super long version. Um, the short version is is networking. Pretty much networking. That is the biggest thing. And I mean network with everybody. As I said, she was an intern. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that a lot of people always ask me is to be respectful to every single person in that industry. Because while they may be your assistant, while they may be your intern one day, you don't know because in 10 years from now, they could be a director at another company that can hook you up with a gig. And that's pretty much what I did here. So I think people also uh, sometimes don't have the the impression of, or they don't have the realization of how small this business is. It, that everyone knows everyone. Once you can you can stick it out past the trial period, and you get into really working there beyond the assistant level, everybody knows everybody. It's it's true. Um, I'm working with people who I worked with on uh, tours. I worked with. I'm working with people who I worked with at Arst Arena. I'm working with people. I'm working with managers who I'm still. Who it's awesome to be working with them still. It's funny because my boss always says that there's only 50 people in the music industry and the rest is just smoke and mirrors because it's <laughs> it's totally true. That's a good way to put it. It is and it is, but it's it's it, pretty much go on out there, be humble. You know, if like you got this uh, internship coming up, Ashley, it's going to be great because you're going to be able to network. And you may never know, but in five to six years, that internship may pay off because one of the clients you're working with or or one of the managers you're working with because they could be someplace else. So it's really, really, really good to see. And um, it's a great question. And I wish there was a magic wand that says, yes, you'll be hired. I got lucky. I, I can honestly say I got lucky. Um, but go on out there and work your butt off and make those connections and, you know, there's always a place out there if you stick through it. There really is. So I would add, besides the luck, you you worked hard to get oh, yeah. that. Because, for example, still uh, your job. wife gets let go. You still go out to a show that night. Not like you really felt like going to a show that night, you know? No. And so you, I still have to go to the show. Yeah. So you go to the show and you get paid back, basically, for going that little extra mile. Absolutely. You know? um, I were, I, every opportunity that was there, I took. Um we need you to fly out to Washington. Okay. Need you to fly out to LA. Okay, fine. I mean, but it wasn't like glorious travel. I'm not traveling in limos and stuff. It's like I'm on like the coach plane all the way in the back. And then, you know, I got to find my taxi to the venue. And then it, it's, it, and it's really, you really have to do your dues. And you can say, is this all worth it? And absolutely 100% is. It 100% is. You have to work hard. I was pulling. I was in the office by 10 and I'd be getting home by one in the morning every day for a good solid three months. And, you know, one of my uh, the the first boss I had who was awesome. His name's Harlan Fry. Great guy. Uh, He's over at Atlantic. um, Told me he's like, if you want to make it anywhere in this industry, work hard. Just really dig deep, work hard 
and it'll pay off. And it did. And it really, really, really did. And you have to have a lot of patience. A lot of patience. Meaning work hard for a while. Work hard for a while. Not work hard and assume like a, like a tweet. Somebody's going to answer. Yeah, no. You know, it, it's no, work, work hard. hard could be, be consistent. Be consistent. It. Not only but be consistent, but work hard, be consistent, you know, but at the same time, speak up. Don't don't be passive. Um, don't be boisterous and brag about it. You have to have, have that little happy medium where it's like where you want to take on extra responsibilities. The whole reason why I got the face uh, I be transferred into a more of a digital role over at Roadrunner was because, you know, we had one department running Facebook and Twitter and they were like, okay, this is a little too much. So I started taking it over. It's like, let me have it. Let me take it. So it's really cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is an adage I've heard many times in the industry uh, and it was told to me and told to my interns too. And that is if you uh, are, if, if you're with a company for two years and you haven't been promoted, then you've been passed over. Would you agree with that? In the music industry, I would say no. Because the music industry, that it's what's available. It's it's really like as you say, there's the the jobs are shrinking in recorded industry. Mm -hmm. um, I've been with Ticketmaster for two years, um, and I haven't been promoted uh, yet. But at the same time, there is a great vibe over Ticketmaster where they actually give you constant feedback, where they give you where they give you stuff. Well, I don't personally. What I don't like, maybe just because I'm older. Um, it, I think that if you go hopping left and right to different companies, it actually looks bad on you. Mm -hmm. Be patient. Like, be patient. There will be those opportunities that are out there, and it may stink, like, and, and may not happen right away, but you just have to be patient. I, Because I hate to say this, and I hate it because I used to hate it when it was said to me, but when you're working in the music industry, it's like count your blessings that you have a job because there's a lot of people out there mm -hmm. who don't. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Ashley O'Vera. Yeah, I have actually a question kind of along those lines. It's something I, I wrote down quick. Um, being, well, what did I write? Is it important for current music business students or just anyone who's really wanting to get into the music business? Is it important for them to, or someone like me, to pick my exact, you know, job that I would want in the industry or should we kind of be open to different opportunities it seems like from most people that I've heard that have had success they've started in one place and ended up in a completely different place so it almost seems to me to be better to really just be open and you know that is a great question really really good question and the answer is to be open when I was uh, in the uh, program here I wanted to be an A&R guy I wanted to yeah. go out and find all the artists and I had never worked in A&R at all and um, when the street team came thing came in, I was like, great, let's 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 do this. And I always took on more responsibilities and more responsibilities and more responsibilities. And you're right. I went from guerrilla marketing to marketing VIP packages. I never would have thought I never thought I would be working for Ticketmaster ever. Right. Um, and it, the more, you know, the better equipped you are. So the more things you know about the the recorded industry and the music industry the better you are i know that you, uh, some some people may have tunnel vision i did it's like i just want to do this mm -hmm. no because the more valuable you are the more no the more knowledge that you gain so that's yeah. how it is we were talking before before we came in about how the program now the music management program that's my major we do three different internships where we have to you know we get to kind of have a little taste of 
different places in it. And I think that's a really awesome thing to get to try some things out. There's also more things you can put on your resume and you know, Absolutely. help you in the future. So Absolutely. Yeah, and it's really more cool. people you get to know. Again, right. it goes back to that whole networking. Mm-hmm. It's the more people that you will be exposed to. Yeah. So um, open and uh, just go in there with an open mind. Always go in there with an open mind. It's like I always thought of things where it's like, wow, I never thought I would want to do this. I Personally, I never thought I'd have a desk job. I thought I, I actually there was a point in my career where I was actually going to say – I'm done with. Oops, I'm done with the. Uh, I'm done with the desk job. I'm going to go out on the road because I got the taste of tour life and it was amazing. Mm. But there's no job security in that. It's like you can go on tour for four weeks and then <laughs> where do you go after that? Right. I mean, if you're great, if you're good, and you know how to be a sound engineer, I'm sure you can get a a gig constantly. But I know certain tour managers that they're on for a year, then they're off for a year, and then they're mm-hmm. on for a year, and they're off for a year, and picking up odd jobs. I have a friend who's a guitar tech who I want us to get on the show in the fall. He's a guitar tech for the band Mo, jam, oh, okay. jam band Mo. He's also a guitar tech for Hall & Oates, mm-hmm. and he's usually been able to juggle both gigs. This year, he had to choose for yeah. the summer. He actually had to choose, and I believe he chose Hall & Oates. And while he's worked with Mo for many years, there's still that nervousness of, while he's part of like the family Suppose they get somebody, somebody else, else who's filling in, and that guy's just—it mm-hmm. just fits like a glove. I just love him, you know. They don't take him back. I mean, it's yeah. It, there's there's risk and there's uh, reward. So absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. One more question. Sure. Least, uh, we're running low, but um, Jasmine Pritchett uh, asked, uh, wrote in. She goes, "What do you think has changed the most in the industry from the time you first started until now? From that's probably I guess '05 is when you got in until 2014." That is a great question, question Jasmine. The industry, and I wish I had another hour because I can go on a rant about it because um, the industry has changed so much ever since I started. When we were starting, you know, platinum albums were still being named. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the last platinum album was Miley Cyrus's Bangers. Uh, I think that was the last platinum album. But you would see, like, you know, people selling 800, 900,000 copies of an album. In a week. In a week. In yeah. a week, where it's like, I, I don't know, I can't remember, but I think Katy Perry's only topped at 300,000 this year, Prism, or Prismatic, or... No, yeah, Prism, yeah. Prism, Prism. Yeah. Uh, and it's it just amazes me on how it's a huge decline, and I see it now. And I only see it because I actually opened, I brought... Uh, before Ticketmaster, I was very focused on recorded music, recorded music. Now that I work for live music, I'm just shocked because we had you had an industry that was making uh, $36 billion a year to an industry that's making, what, less than eight now? Eight, between seven and eight. Seven and eight mm-hmm. billion dollars. And it's like you lost 90%, almost like 80% of your revenue. And it just is amazing me because I've never seen any industry just fall that much. And again, the reasons are you can debate them to your blue in the face, but that's one thing that's changed big time. And it's it, it's that. <clears throat> and at the same time, concert sales are up. So you went from a shift to recorded music to more concert sales. That's the big change that I saw. Uh, other big changes that I saw, and uh, this is one thing that. I feel every student should take that. Um, 2005, MySpace was popular. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, a band got signed on MySpace, and then all of a sudden we're starting to sign all these other bands on MySpaces. It's like that was the hot thing at the minute. Now I don't think anyone gets found on MySpace anymore. Um, 
you know, then you have, you know, Facebook that comes out and, you know, Facebook ads, which are great, you know, uh, they can really help you gain your audience. But again, now that that's a kind of a norm, that's now phasing out. All right. And now you got Twitter and YouTube, which I'm, I think YouTube would be around for a while, uh, which would be great. But it's just like even digital is, is starting to crest. And now you're going more towards mobile. Now the big thing is mobile. Um, and it's just amazing because what you had, so this is 10 years, uh, in 10 years back in the nineties, CDs were prevalent. I think they stopped making cassettes in 90, what, five, 96 ish. Like, yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, De- sometime around definitely that. later nineties. Later nineties, because I was still working at Polygram cassette singles, and it was right. the middle nineties. So you see how, like, you know, it took almost a decade just to phase out. Two, two. Oh, I wrap it up. Two up. So okay, yeah. you see, it takes like a decade just to ra- just to phase out one stream of media. Where it's now, it's just picking up, and it's just getting faster and faster and faster and faster. And what's the next big thing? I don't know, but it's like you kind of have to be two steps ahead now. Rather than just okay, well, we'll embrace it. We'll we'll, we'll take it on. Well, they there's a stat. They they talk about the amount of content that goes on YouTube in I don't know if it's like a day or a week, is equal to the amount of content from the the day mankind existed walked yeah. out. Yeah, walked out of the the water to 1955 or something like that. It's wow. just amazing the amount of content getting out there. So, which brings us back if we were, are going to re- recap this entire hour. Yeah, it brings us back to. If you want to break through that clutter and be seen, be heard, be known, we, we get back to what you were saying at the very beginning was you have to sell the band. The you band. can't sell the re- the thing. You have to sell. Sell you. Sell the band. Sell your passion. Sell. I mean, the reason why you're making music is because you're passionate. Sell the whole package. Don't just sell the recorded music. That's right. We've learned a, a number of other things, Dr. Steve Marconi. May I recap? You're, do, 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 Please. Yes. We're, some things that we did. Learn this as we as we chow down at this. Um, Ashley Overa is a wonderful old woman. Uh, Ticketmaster is the number three e-commerce site in the world. Did not know that. Yeah. When you are thinking about your your music, think beyond the thing which we just said. Think broadly. Think beyond the music. If you want a job in the biz, you need to network, 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 network. Yes. And we talked with Lily. Hefter about the pain of being let go, which was sad, but Lily has, has rebounded. She's reinvented, her, reinvented herself, and she's the new Lady Gaga of Bachelorette parties. <laughs> and finally, a real important thing is you mentioned how working hard really does pay off. Just it does. work hard. It does. And I mean, I'm still in the infancy of my career. I don't know everything, and I'm never going to know everything. I'm just going to continue to build and keep going higher and higher. And that's where you guys should be. I'm equal level to you guys. So that's how it is. I, I think we're still learning, Dr. Marconi, yeah. every time we do this as well. So so we need to wrap it up. The seconds are counting down. So you have been listening to Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday. Check us on the podcast, Stitcher.com. Tweet us all anytime you want, at Music Biz 101 WP. Check us on the web, Music Biz 101 WP.com. Sign up for our newsletter. It's right there. We want to thank Ashley Overa for being our student co-host. Thank you. We want to thank Lily Hefter for being the wife of Tom. <laughs> we want to thank Tom Hefter for working at Ticketmaster. Okay, there we go. Connor Morrison from uh, being our engineer. Phil Korohovsky for being our producer. And always we want to thank the very special, the very doctoral, Stephen Marconi. And Dave Phil. Yes, you're President Phil. You've been listening to 88.7 Brave New Radio. We will see you next week. 
with our good friend Sean Gilday of Blue Raven Entertainment. Thank you and adios! <laughs>